Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Power. Nothing personal word of the day. It's a big one. It's power. Power can mean all sorts of things. It can reference monarchs, despots, governments, people, schools, universities, companies. The power I want to talk about today is called the Power Five. Anyone ever heard of the Power Five? It's five conferences in college football. It's the Big Ten the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC. If you don't know whether your school is in a Power 5, is in the Power 5, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to list the schools. But we're talking the big fromage from Alabama to Texas to Clemson to Nebraska to LSU to Florida State. Not the Ivies, not the Big Sky, not even the Mac. Mac made news this offseason, this weekend, canceling football. Everyone's canceling football except the Power Five. They spent the weekend in meetings. A couple weeks ago, we had Jonathan Holloway, the president of Rutgers. He talked about the fact that there's going to be an on-off day. There's a day where they decided as a conference, the Big Ten will make the decision whether football will be on or will it be off. But of course, they say it in a different way. They say that they're talking about all of fall sports. That's how the announcements come. The Ivy Leagues have decided to cancel fall sports. The reality is we're talking football, not just because it's the biggest business, the biggest fan base, the biggest broadcast deals, the biggest booster-generating donation-giving sport. It's football. So the Big 12 got together. I call it the Big 10. I think there's 14 schools in the Big 10. We've spoken about it ad nauseum on the show. I'm not going to waste your time. Maybe, maybe one day, one of you will explain to me how these names happen. But until then, we continue. 14 schools got together on a call. Jonathan Holloway amongst them for Rutgers, who's now part of the Big 14. And the vote was 12 to 2. Now, this is Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, Indiana. 12 out of 14 schools voted to cancel the football season. Now, this is the same conference where we spoke on nothing personal that they released their schedule the day the Big Sky canceled football. They were going full steam ahead. I get it. I'm not upset about it. I understand what they were doing. They were trying to say, we've got to prepare. We've got to believe that it's going to happen. So 14 people got on a phone call. 
They discussed what it means to cancel. How will they deal with the finances? Remember, Rutgers in the Big 14, obviously, if Nebraska and Iowa voted not to cancel, that means Jonathan Holloway voted to cancel, knowing as a first-year president what football means to Rutgers in terms of money, knowing that he was involved and is involved in major lawsuits as it relates to professors trying to deal with budget issues. We know We've talked about Stanford canceling sports, trying to figure out how to balance the budget. We've heard Barry Alvarez of Wisconsin talk about what to do if there's no football and how serious it's going to be. So they get on a call and they're trying to decide in a climate of absolute polarity. I think I just made up a word, Coca, for a Monday morning. Polarity. Could you check that? It feels like it's a word. Polar opposites. You've got players who are uniting, not unionizing. There's a big misconception. College football players are not in a union. They are uniting. First, one conference at a time. We went through it last week. A lot of college football and nothing personal because, hey, that's what's happening. First, the Pac-12, then we saw the Big Ten, a statement of demands, of requests, of thoughts, of what we need. We want to be safe. We want to play. Then this weekend, it got even more serious with more players getting together across all conferences. It feels like Trevor Lawrence was leading this charge, but only maybe because people I follow follow him, so I see it more on Twitter. Maybe because there are more articles about him because he's the best quarterback in the country. Maybe because he's likely a consensus number one pick, and there could be tanking for Trevor going on this coming season in the NFL. But Trevor Lawrence was extremely outspoken and very clear as to what his view was. And it started with a very similar hashtag we've seen in the other sports. We want to play. Tell us when. Tell us where. We're in. But of course, we know that's not true in college football because it's not just we want to play. Tell us when. Tell us where. We've seen the conferences come out. We want to play, but you have to do the following 12 things. Tell us when and where, but only if you've done the following 10 things. Trevor Lawrence, and I don't know, let me give you a caveat here on nothing personal. I don't know, and you know I love to admit what I don't know things as opposed to many other people and podcasts and talking heads on networks and various other platforms where they pretend to know everything about everything. I know something about a few things. I have no idea and I'm not in a position to discuss Trevor Lawrence's political views. I don't know what side of the aisle he's on. I don't know where he's from. I don't know his history. I don't know one thing about him, but he's got flowing locks. I think he's engaged. And man, can he quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, and I don't know whether he's a doctor, a scientist, a pre-med, a pre-law, whether he's studying religion, politics. I don't know. I don't care. I want him to be successful on and off the field. My overarching theme since COVID started When I've been accused by people of being doom and gloom, I don't want sports, like all these other people in the media rooting for no sports, you people don't know squat. If you think people in the media don't want games, you literally have no idea what you're talking about. 
here on Nothing Personal, whether they're games or not, we've got plenty of content. Half the things that we talk about in the pre-show don't make it to the show. It's not as though we're a highlight show. If you want to know who's in first place in the AL West, go to the standings. Don't download and subscribe to Nothing Personal. But I don't want Trevor Lawrence using his platform to explain to people what it is to be safe or not to be safe. Trevor Lawrence had a lot of things to say this weekend, including but not limited to that people are just as much, if not more at risk if we don't play because players will be sent home to their own communities where social distancing is highly unlikely and medical care and expenses will be placed on the families if they were to contract COVID-19. Not to mention the players coming from situations that are not good for them or their future and having to go back to that. Football is a safe haven for so many people. We are more likely to get the virus in everyday life than playing football. Trevor, unless I have missed something through my conversations with university presidents, unless I've misread every article, what is being decided on a conference call between 14 presidents and the Big 14 is not either we play football or every single athlete on the football team gets sent home. The rest of the students have a return to campus plan, but if you're a football player, you have to go home. That's not what's happening. If campuses have a hybrid where there's some online classes, there's some in-person classes, there's social distancing by having only a certain percentage of people allowed to live on campus, by having the dorms half empty, three quarters empty, by having no fraternity parties, by the way, we talked about the school. I, Coca, did we talk about the school? Was it Georgia where, they, where the players went to a fraternity party, got sick, and a bunch of them got COVID and they, they got suspended or I, I can't remember the school? But to say that by college presidents saying that playing football and traveling as students, the way baseball players are traveling and are at risk by having them travel to games and then playing football, if you are comparing that to being responsible either at home or at school is the same thing, then you are woefully misleading the public. There is no way to say that playing football means you will be as safe as if you were just a student being responsible on campus. I understand no one wants to get COVID, whether you come from a poor family, a rich family, where you live with 50 people, including four generations, or you live on your own in a 10-room penthouse suite with a few boosters, a few hanger-oners. I'm not saying those aren't different because they are. But I also know there are people who are taking COVID seriously and they are being overprotective of themselves. And there are people who are not taking it seriously and are going out to bars. They're going to parties. They're going out on a Saturday night in Chicago. And if you think the college presidents make this decision lightly, then you don't understand what it is to be the president of anything. To be the president to decide to cancel college football will be the most significant financial decision you will make as president. More than canceling four electives in astrophysics. More than deciding that you can't endow a chair in economics. More than deciding whether or not you are going to kick out a student 
for having views that are against those of the university more than deciding whether you will allow a speaker to come to campus who represents everything that you hold in contempt. You are basically looking at a business that you run and saying it is in the best interest of the people on this campus who I represent to shut down that business. And you think that doesn't come with consternation, anxiety, and a bunch of Gaviscon? Jim Harbaugh is the coach of Michigan. We've talked about the Big Ten. Uh, it was the Big Ten coaches call when he got into it with Ryan Day. Jim Harbaugh released a long, very interesting statement that I want to take a minute on. Because he did something that I love. You don't need 240 characters and you don't need to be silent when you are the outward facing representative of a school. Now, granted, Michigan, as we know, hasn't done well since 97. Harbaugh hasn't beaten Ohio State, yada, yada, yada. But he is the face of Michigan. He is the adult in the room. He wants to address the rumors swirling today. He wanted to address why he voted no, cancel football. He said, I'm not advocating for football this fall because of my passion or our players' desire to play, but because of the facts accumulated over the last eight weeks since our players returned to campus on June 13th. I am advocating on August 10th that this virus can be controlled and handled because of these facts. And he talked about the positive tests. He talked about the negative tests. He said that his coaches and staff have tested negative. No contact tracing has led to any implication of any players or anything going on in the weight room. They have had training straight through. They've had no interruption. They've been the model program, complying with CDC guidelines, following health and safety guidelines. And then he said, as our chief medical officer and a member of the Big Ten's medical advisory group stated, quote, I wish that others could see this model, meaning the model that's worked at Michigan. This isn't easy. This is hard. He went on to say that I am forever proud of our players, parents, coaches, and staff for being leaders and role models in our sport, at our institution, and in society. We will continue to follow all health and safety guidelines, teach, train, and coach those young men and their families that have put their trust in us while advocating for a football season in the fall. In quoting President Theodore Roosevelt, we do this quote so that our place will not be among the cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Hashtag, we want to play, we want to coach. Jim Harbaugh advocating for football does not mean that the president of Michigan voted to play. It doesn't mean that he believes they should play. What Jim Harbaugh is doing is explaining to his players, to his boosters, and to his fans that he has run an exemplary program, that he wishes that everyone acted the way he and his school have and saying that because they haven't, football may not continue. It's a fascinating story about a society 
where those who act in one way impact in another way. Coca, you just whispered it was Rutgers. What does that mean? I don't know what Rutgers means, but he's telling me in my ear. He's saying it was Rutgers that had the players suspended for going to the party, not Georgia. Interesting. By the way, thank you, Coca. And the reason why we couldn't plan for this, and you know how we do nothing personal, 45 minutes straight, no editing, no going back. When we get information, we give it to you in real time if that's what happens. Is it possible that Jim Harbaugh is actually talking right to Jonathan Holloway and the people at Rutgers? Maybe. Not impossible. But what we have is a society where people are being impacted because of other people's politicizing of COVID. You've heard me say it and I'll say it again. I don't care if you are on the right. I don't care if you're on the left. I don't care if you're blue. I don't care if you're red. What I care is when your actions impact me, when your inactions force me to take action, when your actions force me to make a decision that absent those actions I would not have had to make. This isn't just about football, folks. Wake up. This is going on all over the globe. You want to go back to sports? Let's go back to baseball. Let's talk about a pitcher for the Cleveland Indians trying to make the playoffs, fighting the Minnesota Twins, Chicago White Sox in a division, trying to hang on to Francisco Lindor for one more season, one more run, make that window greater, where they may have an ace in Shane Bieber. Got a little roughed up this weekend, still doing just fine. Zach Plezak, Coco, we didn't talk about this. Is Zach Plezak Dan Plezak's nephew or son? Dan Plezak is a former Major League Baseball player, pitched for the Brewers. He was a reliever. He's on MLB Network now. He is either the nephew or the son of Dan Plezak. I'm going to vote nephew while Coca checks it out. Why is Zach Plezak in the news? Because it finally happened. Zach Plezak was sent home. This is the nephew of a big league player. Grew up around clubhouses, grew up around Major League Baseball, and grew himself into a Major League starting pitcher. Guess where he is right now? He's in Cleveland. Guess where he was? He was in Chicago. Let me read to you what Zach Plezak said. I would like to apologize to my teammates, the entire Cleveland organization, and all of our fans for my actions Saturday evening. I realized I made a poor choice to leave the hotel, which broke protocols and could have endangered other people. I understand that in these times of uncertainty, I need to be more vigilant and responsible, and I am determined to earn my teammates' forgiveness and get back to work. What a bunch of horse hockey. Are you apologizing to the other players on the other teams? What happened? What happened was what happens to every single player and every single pitcher who pitches on the road on a Saturday and then goes out. Half our pitchers went out the night they pitched, but that's another story. You've heard the stories. He went out in Chicago. Did he get caught? Was he on camera? Did he come clean? Did he have a unbelievable case of the guilts? And he went right into his teammates or his coaching staff and said, 
I'm so sorry, but I needed a cocktail. So I went out with a bunch of friends in Chicago. Yeah, we went to Russian Division. There weren't that many people there. It's not like I picked up the peanuts off the, sh- off the floor. They sent him home. He doesn't pitch for five days. I want to know whether the Indians are going to skip him next in the rotation. It's not a wait to see. If I'm president of the Indians, I'm not skipping him. I'm quarantining him. I'm testing him. And assuming he stays negative, he's taking the mound. If MLB suspends him, that's a different story. But mark my words, if MLB suspends Zach Plezak, there will be mutiny. If MLB suspends a pitcher because that pitcher went out on a Saturday night, Game over. They better be looking at the security cameras of every team hotel, and they better get those compliance officers to stand at the door like security. At our team hotels, we always had security because they'd stop autograph seekers or sometimes they'd stop certain women but not others, certain men but not others. It would be like a bouncer at a bar. You, yes, you, you, yet no, definitely not. They'd have a picture of certain people that we wouldn't allow. Some people that may have been a little crazy on the fan side. Some players would tell us this woman cannot come into the hotel. Some players would say, please let this woman come in, not this woman. We don't ask, is it a girlfriend? Is it a wife? Is it a friend? Is it a sister? Is it a cousin? Is it both? Is it all? Hey, it is what it is. The reality is you better have the security officers with the compliance officers showing ID for anyone who leaves the hotel for any reason. And then you're going to suspend that every one of those players You think the Marlins and the Cardinals have issues? You think the peer pressure? It's really funny. I really love it. MLB thinks and the other team presidents and the GMs, the Cardinals and Marlins have made mistakes and we're going to be different. We are going to get together and join forces as a team and be responsible to everyone in that clubhouse. And when we get to the hotel on the road, we're not going to leave. Granted, it's a small room. My toes hang off the bed because I'm over six foot three. The room service stinks. I'm getting some phone calls. There's some stuff going on. I'm not in a sleepy city. I'm in an exciting city like Chicago. Nah, man, because, yeah, I'm responsible and I feel for my teammates. GMAFB. I'm switching to a serious subject that really was my number one story of the weekend. And uh, I want to say that I appreciate the So You Want to Talk to Samson. And I appreciate the fact that you get into Instagram, get into Instagram at David P. Samson, you get into Twitter at David P. Samson. I appreciate when you ask questions and there's some of them that I don't want to answer, but I feel as though I have to. And this was one of them. The question was, how would you have dealt with the Tyler Skaggs situation as president of the team? The situation is not the fact that Tyler Skaggs died of a drug overdose a little over a year ago in a hotel. This weekend, word came out that an employee of the Los Angeles Angels is being charged with a crime by the Drug Enforcement Agency, the crime of illegally supplying drugs to Tyler Skaggs. He's being charged with illegal possession with intent to distribute a mixture and substance containing a detectable amount of fentanyl. Tyler Skaggs died. He was over the limit. 
with alcohol. He had many drugs in his system, Oxycontin and fentanyl. There was an investigation done by the authorities and an employee of the Angels was charged. I'm going to mention his name, and this can't be his name. I must have gotten it wrong. I'm having in my mind that his name is Eric K. If that's right, Coca, let me know, please. Okay. Eric K's job was the director of communications. The director of communications is someone who works under the VP of communications. The director of communications travels with the team. They're at every game, he or she. There's several directors, sometimes one director and two managers, three supervisors, four interns, one VP, one senior VP. Their job, there's a baseball PR, there's a business PR. The way my organization and our organization would run is we had a director of baseball communications whose job was to be with the team. They would handle the game notes, which means every game you would give to the press, either on paper in the old days or now electronically, different notes about the game, who's starting, what the record is in the last five starts, little nuggets about the team that writers can use when they're writing articles about the team. Their job is also to arrange interviews between the media and the players. These Zoom interviews or before the time of Zoom, regular interviews when media wanted to talk. In my wildest dreams as president of the team, I could not imagine a director of communications being a drug dealer for the team. There's so many ways for these players to get drugs. We as a, as a team would never give Oxycontin ever. We would give a few Vicodin after a surgery, two, three. Never would we give fentanyl. Fentanyl is like heroin. Tyler Skaggs was not taking fentanyl to recover from an injury. The director of communications for the Los Angeles Angels was not distributing fentanyl because he wanted his player to get healthier, to feel better, and be ready to pitch. The director of communications for the Los Angeles Angels is going to go to jail. And the reason that he's going to go to jail is that he violated a law which says very simply, you cannot possess illegal drugs. And if you do, you cannot possess them with the intent to give them to someone else who may not have the ability to say no because of an addiction. As president of the angels, from day one, I would have done the following. I would have investigated our organization from the outside in. I would have hired an outside firm and I would have stayed completely out of it. And the reason, and I want to make sure that you understand the difference because the angels did this, but it's always difficult to know. In baseball, you've heard me talk about the blue ribbon panel and a bunch of studies that are done by baseball. Like, is the ball juiced? Are people using steroids? Did we change the ball? Those committees that are formed do not release a paragraph without Major League Baseball knowing what's being released, if not writing it to start with. When it comes to this, if the investigation would find that I was responsible because I was not properly overseeing the person who oversees 
the director of communications. Then I put down the microphone. I put in my ID card and I walk away. When you're talking about life and death and not competitive, I'm not talking about when I would make up attendance. I'm not talking about trading players or signing players when you don't know if you're going to be able to keep them, signing them when you think you can keep them, but then you can't keep them. And then everyone thinks that you lied and that you did it all wrong and that you had nefarious intentions from the beginning. I'm not talking about relocating a team. I'm not talking about any of that crap. That's business. What business is it to supply drugs to players? I will believe until the day I die, whenever that day may be, and it could be today. It could be any day. So act accordingly, everybody. There is no way the president of the Angels or the GM of the Angels or the manager of the Angels was not aware if one of his players were a drug addict. There is no way. I don't give one scintilla of a crap what anyone tells you. I'm around players all the time. I know when players are stoned. I know when they're drunk. I know when they're on coke. And if you are addicted to Oxycontin or you are addicted to fentanyl, believe me, if I didn't know, I should have and I'm responsible. And I'm going to make sure that I've got a company who is going to Go and find exactly what went wrong, and then I am going to take the blame, not the criminal blame, because I didn't distribute. Is there a chance that employees of mine could have distributed drugs to players? Absolutely. Does that mean I wouldn't know if a player's addicted to drugs? Of course I would. Does it mean that I know every time a player does coke one time and never again? Does it mean I know every time when a player gets stoned or takes a Vicodin? or gets drunk and has to be brought home by his teammates and friends, or shows up late to the park because he's been up all night on a bender? Do I know that in advance? Not every time. Maybe not even most of the time. The Los Angeles Angels decided it was in their best interest to release a statement Their statement says that the Angels organization has fully cooperated with law enforcement and Major League Baseball. Additionally, we hired a former federal prosecutor to conduct an independent investigation. We learned that there was unacceptable behavior inconsistent with our code of conduct, and we took steps to address it. Our investigation also confirmed that no one in management was aware or informed of any employee providing opioids to any player, nor that Tyler was using opiates. Bullshit! I'm frustrated because we have a responsibility as the president of a team, as an owner of a team, as as the head of a company, as the head of a household, no matter what you do. You have responsibilities to other people. There is no way, and I will say it as directly and absolutely as I possibly can. If you are in that clubhouse, whether you're the president, whether you're the manager, whether you're another teammate, and I'm not calling out one teammate, I won't do it. I'm not calling out the GM or the president or the manager. I will, I won't do it. 
but I want one of them. And it's not me being a talking head, never having been in a clubhouse or only been in there with a notebook. I was in there for 18 years. I want one of my former Expos and Marlins player to go public right now that he was addicted to opioids and doing fentanyl. Just one. Show me that I'm wrong and that I absolutely am mistaken. Don't come out with a statement if you're the Los Angeles Angels because you need a mea culpa. You need to look in the mirror at night and feel good about yourself because one of your players is dead. You think I've looked in the mirror one time since Jose Fernandez died? One time and not thought about what I could have done differently? Every day. And that's not hyperbole. Every day I think about the last conversation I had with Jose before he did cocaine and crashed his boat. Every day. I think I came out with a statement after that happened saying, how would I, I should, I would have no way of knowing. I'm investigating it and whatever happened was unacceptable, but we had an investigation and it proved that no one knew anything. That means it proves that you guys don't do your jobs right. And I'm not taking away from the tragedy of Tyler Skaggs. I'm adding to it. The tragedy is that if you have an organization where the president, the GM, and the manager, and the teammates don't know, that means it's going on right now. That means there's more players doing opioids or shooting themselves up or taking fentanyl pills or getting drunk alone in their room addicted to drugs. You think that that director of communications didn't know that Tyler Skaggs was addicted? You ask me a question and I answer it. The answer is the way I would have dealt with it is that the buck would have stopped with me and I never would have given you a statement that said we found and we want to confirm that none of us were aware. I'm so tired of that. My heart goes out to his teammates, to his family, and to all of the other people who are dying because of opioid addiction. Because if you think COVID is causing death, why don't you go ahead and educate yourself about opioids just a little bit, or cocaine, or heroin, or crack. When we come back, I'm going to talk quite a bit about what happened with the Astros and what's going on and why the irresponsible actions of these players is not just based on going out at night, but the basic premise of baseball can involve emotion and inappropriate behavior. And of course, no matter what's going on, I'm watching a movie. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Before we continue, I do have an announcement to make. Yet another game that I chose in my Nothing Personal pick of the day was postponed. Jack Flaherty was playing against the Cubs. The Cardinals aren't playing. I don't know when they're going to play again. I'm still three and five. It's impossible to pick games right now. Literally impossible. But I'm doing it again. I'm going with Carrot Top. I call Matt, and that's not an insult. Carrot Top is hilarious. If you look at Dustin May and don't think of Carrot Top, then you haven't looked at Dustin May. He's got flowing, he's a total ginger, flowing red hair. He's got the nastiest splitter and cutter and fastball and breaking ball. He's good, and he's pitching tonight against the Padres, who are the talk of baseball with Fernando Tatis Jr., who I still picture as a little boy leading the world leading off for the Padres and hitting home runs. I'm going Dustin May over the Padres and Tatis. Hopefully that game will get played. I'd like to get to four and five. I'm not counting the fact that I won the Indians Reds over last week because I didn't get to one on the show. I should be four and five and Flaherty would have beaten the Cubs. I would have been five and five. This would have been going for above 500. Be that as it may. I watched a movie because uh, I reviewed the Nina Simone documentary on Friday and I fell in love with Nina Simone and I had completely forgotten that Nina Simone is the entire soundtrack of a movie from 1993 with Bridget Fonda, who's always been on my list, the list of five that everyone has. If there were a chance, could I, would I, should I? I love Bridget Fonda from singles all the way through. She's now retired. She hasn't acted. She's the niece of Jane Fonda, daughter of Peter Fonda, who recently passed. Of course, that could be years ago, but I think it was this year. But I could be off because I'm terrible at that. Point of No Return is the movie. It's a remake of, a, of Nikita. It's about a woman who is sentenced to death. The government pretends that, they is, that she's killed. Then they sweep her off and they make her into an assassin. They train her to be a woman. They put her out into the world, and she works for the government. It's with a young Gabriel Byrne. It's with Dermot Mulroney. It's got Nina Simone everywhere. She's allowed to have one thing. She wants one thing when she's back in the government prison being trained to be a woman, having been a drug-addicted, absolute lost case in society, and she asks for Nina Simone. If you haven't seen Point of No Return, I think you should because it's entertaining and I think it's worth it. And if you're going to watch the Nina Simone documentary, which I'd love you to, then see how her music impacts people. 
I'm not going to review Love the Coopers yet again, but a Nina Simone song in Love the Coopers will make my tears well every time. Point of no return. You may think it's old, but it actually is good. And there is a cameo that I want to give away because there's no such thing as a spoiler alert for a movie that's 27 years old. Guess what part Harvey Keitel plays in this movie? He's the cleaner. Does that sound familiar? Where else was Harvey Keitel a cleaner? Anyone? Anyone? John Travolta? Samuel Jackson? Quentin Tarantino? Anyway, point of no return, check it out. Okay. Yesterday, in baseball, MLB's fourth worst nightmare happened. The second brawl of this young season. Let me set the stage. Do you remember a guy named Mike Fires? Mike Fires is the pitcher for the Oakland A's. Mike Fires pitched for the Astros in 17 and won a ring. Mike Fires, on the record, went public that the Astros cheated with dugout video and banging garbage cans to relay signs to the batter. Mike Fires is what caused the investigation of baseball to begin. Mike Fires is what caused the firing of A.J. Hinch, of Joey Cora, of Carlos Beltran, of Jeff Lunau. Mike Fires. Now, I've said on nothing personal that I'm not upset with Mike Fires. There was always a thought that what he did was a violation of clubhouse protocol. Some players even went public. Obviously, that goes against all of what the whistleblower statutes are meant to do, which is protect the whistleblower. In the game of baseball, it's hard to protect the players from being hit by pitches. I always knew that at the end of the day, there would be an impact to Mike Fires. Well, the Astros decided that day was this weekend. Boy, that doesn't flow. The Astros decided in their three-game series that they would go ahead and maybe let the A's know that they weren't too pleased with what Mike Fires did. There's a player on the A's. He's a good young player. His name is Ramon Laureano. Ramon Laureano got hit by a pitch not once, not twice, but three times. Three times. On the third time, he got really pissed. He then heard some chirping coming from the the Braves, from the Astros dugout, where apparently the hitting coach, Alex Cintron, the former player, who's now the hitting coach for Dusty Baker, apparently said something to Ramon Laureano about his mom. And you know if you've been on a ball field, no matter the sport, you don't make mama jokes. It's just not going to go over well. MLB is going to know exactly what happened here because MLB has microphones on the field and there's no fans in the stands. They can hear everything. They can hear what the players were saying. They can hear things. It's not hearsay. It's not one player saying he said this, he said this. There will be actual audio of things that were said. But what Loriano did to me was inexcusable. And I'm going to get added at David P. Sampson. Because what I'm reading is that 
in the Latino culture, if a certain expression is said to a player about his mom, COVID be damned, there's going to be a fight. I've got a problem with that. And it has nothing to do with the Latino culture or the Jewish culture or the Christian culture, the black culture, the white culture, the pink culture, the brown culture. You know I'm a nonviolent in general. You know from Gandhi to Martin Luther King, my view is you can say anything you want to me. I am not going to fight you. You know I've never thrown a punch. You know I've never had a punch thrown at me my whole life. Loriano, in this era of COVID, after being hit by pitch and being furious, rightly so, he charged the Astros dugout and a full brawl ensued. This was not a social distancing brawl. This was an all-in, as in there were tackles. There were some swings, some punches. Did they connect? Did they didn't? Doesn't matter. Bullpens emptied. The stands emptied. I don't mean like Ron Artest at the Palace. They weren't fighting with fans. The stands where the players were social distanced because they were following protocols, they left the stands and joined the melee. When that happens... The worst possible thing that could happen in baseball becomes possible where you could have on-field spread from team to team, something that hasn't happened yet with the Cardinals and the Marlins. Major League Baseball is going to come down swiftly and quickly on the A's, and it's going to be another issue because players and the media and fans are going to say, look, another example where the Astros get away with cheating, winning the World Series when they shouldn't have, and the people who try to take it into their own hands, they're the ones who get in trouble. But in this case, the Astros are the ones who threw pitches at the A's, Joe Kelly threw behind the Astros, didn't even hit Alex Rebbe and got eight games. I expect the pitchers on the Astros to get suspended. By the way, Coca, did we ever hear that Joe Kelly's appeal has been heard? Do we know whether it went from eight to five, which is what I predicted? I have not read that yet. But anyway, Astros players will get suspended. Alex Cintron could be suspended for dozens of games for the part he played, though he stood back and doesn't look like he got in a fight. But if they get audio, then there will be word that he will be suspended. Loriano will be suspended for a minimum of a third of a season. He's going to get 20 games for charging and you're going to complain and I'm going to understand but disagree with you. The players, there was a catcher who tackled Loriano. He's going to get suspended. There will be multiple suspensions ranging from one game to five, from a fine to one game to five games. Dusty Baker, the manager, will be fined again, maybe suspended. Melvin as well. Mark my words. Please, when you have a brawl in baseball, You are endangering the thing that matters the most, and it's not a ball hitting a player in the head, and it's not someone getting hurt in a brawl. You are endangering the thing that matters the most to the commissioner and the owners. It's called business. It's nothing personal. 
Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.